like it's good to push through scary moments. It's not fun sometimes, but then it's worth it, you know? Welcome to Unspoken Bravery. I'm your host, Erin Milzinski, a multiple time Olympian. Skiing started as my first love and quickly became my greatest teacher. This podcast is meant to take a deep dive behind the capes of our everyday superheroes and find out what's under the brave spirits, the fearless feats, and the nerves of steel. It's normal to feel fear. Hardships lurk around every corner. And yet these roadblocks can be met with a challenger's mindset and turned into wonderful gifts. It's time to celebrate imperfections, to build bravery from setbacks, and to take our goals to the next level. So let's dive right in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unspoken Bravery, Episode 8, and Part 2 of a two-part series about sports specialization and dual sport athletes. We're recording this from Pozza di Fassa, Italy, where we're preparing for our next World Cup races of the season. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to my friend and teammate, Valerie Grenier. I'm going to fill you in a little bit about her alpine skiing history, but I'm going to let her fill you in about her water skiing past. So Val is from St. Isidore, Ontario. She grew up skiing at the age of two in Tremblant, Quebec, and she rose up in the ranks. She went through the Quebec team and finally went to the World Juniors, placing third, a bronze medal in the giant slalom there. Shortly after, she started her first World Cup and placed 16th at one of her first World Cup races in Lake Louise and proved that she's really one to watch. She had multiple top 30 finishes and top 15 finishes after this and finally went to the Olympics in 2018 in Pyeongchang, where she raced in the GS, Super G, Downhill, and Alpine Combined, where she placed sixth, which was so amazing to watch. I can't even explain to you. It was a very cool day. The next year, she had an amazing beautiful breakthrough season. She had a fourth and fifth place finish and we knew that the podium was just around the corner for her. Every race she was on and it was so cool to see. Unfortunately, in RA Sweden at the world championships in downhill, Val had a horrific crash. I still can't watch it. It still just gives me shivers. I close my eyes whenever it's on and she fractured her right fibula, tibia, and ankle. This kept her out of competition for 20 months basically two seasons, and she had two surgeries, rehab, setbacks, and just an immense amount of pain. And then in 2020, 2021, amid COVID, she made her comeback season. And what a season it was. She came 25th in the GS overall, and she had four top 30 finishes, two of which were top 15s. And we were just so incredibly proud of her for overcoming everything. This year, she's just raced once on the most gnarly, steep, icy GS track of the season in Solden, and she placed seventh, and her skiing was just beautiful. But above all, Val is just the hardest worker. She's super competitive, and she's the best teammate, pushes us all the time. She includes everyone and makes sure that no one is interrupted at the table and everyone's voice is heard. She's a great dancer and singer, and she lights up every room that she walks into, and we are just so incredibly lucky to have her. Hi, Val, and welcome to Unspoken Bravery. Thank you, Erin. I'm glad to be here. I explained a little bit about your alpine skiing results and past and amazing success, but can you explain how water skiing played a role in that Mm -hmm. and how you started water skiing? 
Yeah, I started when I was around two years old. It was my parents who got my brother and I into it just because they really liked it, the sport. They just really enjoyed doing it. Like my dad started way later, like when my mom kind of taught him how to ski, I guess. Like he started when he was much older, but he got really into it and he wanted to kind of know everything about it. He just became really obsessed with the sport. So he got us into it and he was just reading a bunch of water ski magazines and really trying to learn as much as he could so that he could coach us. So yeah, we started skiing and we got like pretty good. And he even did the course, you know, like he set up the whole course on the lake, like by himself, he figured it out. He was really good. And we just fell in love with the sport for sure, my brother and I. And at some point when we were around nine years old, I think when I was around nine, we were training a lot and we went to this store where we bought like our skis. And the guy told us there was this friendly competition going on that we should try and go to on the weekend. And my dad was just not sure if he should bring us because he had no idea if we were good or not. So he said, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. So then finally we ended up going and I started skiing and everyone was freaking out on the docks because they just had, I guess they didn't know who I was and they were really impressed with my skiing with my age. And I had no idea if I was good, but I saw everyone like really impressed by my skiing. So I guess I knew I was decent for my age. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into the, the competition world. After that, we just started competing more and more. And yeah, I just kind of made my way up and was doing slalom tricks and jumps. Jump w Jumping was my favorite, like you, I think. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's how I got into water skiing. I feel like that was really long, but... No, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. And what role did your brother play? Because in your documentary, your mom says you're that type of person that's like, I can do it. Let me do it. I can mm -hmm. do it. But what role did your, your brother play? I think, I don't know. I was really obsessed with doing everything he was doing like I would just always copy him whatever he was doing so I think maybe he really helped me get some confidence and like think that I was able to do what he was doing because if he could do it then I thought I could do it too you know so I think he was really helped me to gain confidence and just think that I'm able to do whatever I want so I think that was really cool he was always like my biggest inspiration growing up like he was just good at everything he did you know like he's just a very talented person so yeah that was really cool too yeah that's so cool my sister was the same I would chase her everywhere mm -hmm. so I think I got good fast because I needed to keep up exactly and I'm gonna give you a minute to humble brag because I really want to set the stage because you explained how you started and I explained a little bit about your amazing success in alpine skiing, but can you tell us about your awards and the teams you were named to and kind of where you were ranked when you decided to go for alpine? Yeah, I was on the development team, I guess. It's it's kind of hard. I don't know about you. Like it was not very obvious, I guess, in water skiing. It wasn't like a team like us where we traveled together all the time. You know, you kind of do your own thing, but then you go into a camp with some people and then another camp with other people, but you're just named to the team, I guess. So yeah, I was on the development team, I think. <laughs> and um, yeah, I went to World Juniors and the year that I stopped, which I was around 15, maybe turning 16, I was ranked number one in the world from my age uh, at jumps, at jumping. <laughs> so yeah, that was really cool. I really loved it. And I was, yeah, I think I was, you know, I, I was decent, like I was good, I guess. And um, I really loved the sports. I wanted to keep going, but I was kind of forced a little bit to stop because I had just made the Quebec team uh, in alpine skiing. And I was, I kept missing summer camps because I was gone water skiing all the time. So they kind of told me I had to come to that one camp, I think in Chile, I'm not even sure. And uh, if I didn't come, then I wouldn't be on the team. So I just stopped water skiing that summer. And that's kind of just when it all stopped, which was really sad for me. But I knew I was going to have to stop at some point And I knew I'd had, I'd have to make a decision. And I think 
I never really knew, but I guess when the time came, it just made sense in my head because I had always dreamed of the Olympics and you know how water skiing is not an Olympic sport. So I knew I'd be really missing out on that if I kept going in water skiing and not alpine skiing. So it just kind of made sense to me. Yeah. And I guess our paths kind of intertwine or connect because we have this amazing head coach for water skiing. He's been there for so many years, Mm -hmm. Steve Bush. I love him. Busher, we call him. And Mm -hmm. I had already stopped water skiing. I was on the national team and he called me and he said, Erin, <laughs> we have this young athlete. She's kind of like you. She's doing both. She's good at both. Mm-hmm. We love her. She's so competitive. She's so, I mean, you were ranked number one in the world for your mm-hmm. age and he really wanted to keep you in water skiing. And mm-hmm. I had obviously left and he asked me, how do I keep Val here? And I, I mean, I was pretty young too. And yeah. I'm like, just make it really fun. Make mm-hmm. it really fun. Make her want to stay. And that's the thing. Water skiing was really fun. Yeah. It's kind of a lonely sport, but because when you're learning, you're falling in the water and you're trying again and again. Mm -hmm. But I was always watching you and remember watching you at your first races. But you said that you were ranked number one in the world. And at the same time, you were making the Quebec team Mm -hmm. and you're 15 or 16. But what was the difference like being such a high performer in water skiing and the pressure's on? You know, the world is watching you. The world is expecting great things in water skiing. But then versus just making the Quebec team, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. but at the same point, it's just a little bit of a different step from being world ranked to Canadian ranked. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What was the difference like? And did you feel that pressure in water skiing? I guess I never really thought about that. And even I think I've always been pretty good under pressure. I feel like when it's time to really perform or when it's even like a more important race, I feel like that's when I do even better. So I think it never really affected me that much, like the pressure. I feel like I did always did really well at really important competitions or races. I guess also the water skiing world is much smaller and not that the competition level is lower. Like there's a lot of good people <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's very tough. But I guess, like you said, you kind of move up way faster. I mean, if if you're doing well, obviously, like it's not easy. But yeah, I think you're just competing against the world right, right away almost which is a bit crazy, but I guess yeah. it's just, that's how the sport is. So I'm, I'm sure it really helped me for, for alpine skiing, you know, to really be competing all the time and have to perform, like you said, against a lot of older people. I think it really got me ready for alpine skiing and for the future where I would finally be racing against the world also. Yeah. And that was so neat watching you come up because in my head, you were just successful right away. I mean, at I think 17, well, in 2015, mm-hmm. you podiumed world juniors mm-hmm. and you were already on the stage and then you went on to the Olympics and placed six. And you've just been this amazing contender, regardless of how early you've been on the team or coming back from injury. Again, mm-hmm. you just keep being a contender. <laughs> and that's what I kind of wondered. What do you think water skiing taught you in any form, anything mm-hmm. you can think of from technique to dealing with pressure? What do you think it gave you that maybe you wouldn't have had if you just focused on alpine skiing? I think it really made me be in love with sports in general. You know, like you said, it was so much fun. Like every time I think back to water skiing, I just was always having fun. I feel like we were always hanging out with friends, you know, like at camps, you're just staying together all the time and just skiing during the day. Obviously it's difficult. Like it's a lot of sets and it's tiring, but then you just like hang out with your friends all the time. So it was always a good balance between performance and fun. So I I think it just was easy, I guess, because it was so fun. Uh, So I just loved doing sports all the time. And also for sure, I would say it got me in really good shape for alpine skiing, for sure for you too, because I know both of us didn't really train in the gym until we made this team, I think, which is crazy, but it's just such a, it's a tough sport. So it's really, you just get muscles everywhere, you know, from that sport. So I think that's really awesome too. And 
yeah, I think like we talked about, it just made be made it easier to be competitive because I was dealing with pressure already at a young age. So I think it just helped me a lot when I finally made the World Cup team and started racing on the World Cup. So again. Yeah, and that's really cool. And that's what you're known for. You're such a good competitor. <laughs> you're so good at racing. You're better sometimes at racing than mm-hmm. in training. Not always, but yeah. yeah sometimes, <laughs> yeah. which is like so standout and so special and beautiful. And I think both of us are known to be perfectionists, especially, you know, in the gym, we try mm-hmm. to do everything perfectly, which is also a bit funny because I remember being in the gym when I was 18 and I was so far behind. I was behind oh, yeah. everyone. I yeah. didn't know how to do a clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's crazy looking back now because I think we kind of shine there. Maybe that's the wrong word, <laughs> but it's interesting because even what was maybe a downfall because yeah. we weren't spending time in the gym became something that we were such perfectionists at. Mm-hmm. But then what do you think? So for me, I explained a bit in the previous episode that for me, I was burnt out from water skiing and I did feel like I missed out a bit on some of that time in the gym, or maybe I was a bit slower with technique and Alpine. Mm -hmm. But I think also, I think it made me a huge perfectionist trying to be perfect at everything. And I really try to let that go, try to be less hard on myself. But what do you think, do you think you missed out on anything by doing both sports or Do you think that maybe there's something you had to overcome because of doing both sports? I personally don't think I missed out on anything. I'm just really grateful that I got the chance to do both. I feel like a lot of, we hear about a lot of people that only do one sport for so long and they end up getting burnt out, but then they quit and that's it. Like they don't have anything else. And that just makes me really sad because I don't know, sport is so fun and I'm just really grateful that I got to keep going and yeah, I just I think it was so good for my mind too to focus on water skiing for half the year and then focus on alpine skiing for the other half. It just I don't know, it made me be in love with both sports because I never got burnt out from any of them. I mean, personally, I know you had maybe I, I don't know, maybe it burns you out more, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember being burnt out, but I just I think I also kept you kept going longer. Like you kept going until 17 or 18, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. Exactly. So you were older. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it really I just was felt really lucky because I got to, I don't know, travel a lot just for water skiing, like only in the US, but like, it was really fun. I was in the warm. Yeah. I feel like that's all I can say. Like, I don't think I really missed out. And I think, like I said, it just helped me be a better athlete. And I don't personally think that you have to train in the gym all the time to be good, especially at that age, you know, when we're young, like, I mean, it's important. You want to be in shape, but I feel like water skiing really kept me so strong already that I didn't feel the need to be in the gym all the time. So I think that was a really good thing too. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing you say that because I've listened to a few podcasts and read a few things that there's obviously pros and cons of both and you can do both. And Mm -hmm. there's people that do well specializing and not specializing, but you know, some of the pros that they say are that you create this body awareness and you have these skills that you might not have developed Mm -hmm. from the other sport. Also, there's less chance of burnout. Yeah. For me, I was burnt out in one, but it was beautiful because I had the other. And as you say, it's so sad seeing people drop out of sport. Yeah. But for me, I didn't drop out of sport. I just chose the other, which was like a beautiful shift in my life. And they also say it's, you have less overuse injuries. Yeah. Of course, there's cons too that you might get injured in the other sport or you have less time to really develop those specific skills. Maybe in other sports like alpine skiing, you kind of have to be so, you know, you don't have to focus so hard on your endurance or so Mm -hmm. hard on a single stroke or something. But that's the thing. Like, it's so interesting because the book, The Outliers, you know, the saying that's like 10,000 hours that you have to put in to make a beautiful athlete that's so 
not even athlete, everything that's so professional and everything, but Tiger Woods, he specialized, you know, I don't think his dad let him play anything but golf and he's great. So that's like one example. And then another example is Roger Federer, more Mm -hmm. like us. He played soccer and tennis, eventually chose tennis at age 12, but you can see it in the way he plays. And apparently he was hot headed at 12 and now he's like calm and cool. Mm -hmm. But then there's other athletes like Steve Nash, who is considered one of the greatest in the sport. And he didn't even play basketball until he was a teenager because he played hockey and soccer. And so Mm -hmm. it's so interesting seeing everyone do everything Mm -hmm. and that it shows, I think that we can't look at pros and cons and just say, you have to specialize or you don't. There's so many different paths, Exactly. but that's where I get a bit stumped. And I don't know about you, but a lot of parents ask me, you know, my kid isn't having enough time in gates Mm -hmm. or we don't get enough training or there's not enough camps. And I keep saying, you know, it's not the answer. You can develop those skills elsewhere, like yeah. school, another sport, playing, free skiing, mm-hmm. and that the love of sport will far outlast and outperform counting all of these things. But what do you think about that? I totally agree with you. I think it's so important to be in love with the sport, like you said, and especially when they're young. I mean, that's such a tough question when people come up to you because there is no right answer. It's it's different for everybody. But when you're so young, it's so important to do everything. Like you don't have to just do gates all the time. When I was younger, it would be going in the woods. <laughs> what do you call yeah. that? Like a subo? Like the snow snake in the woods? Yeah, exactly. Oh, like do that. those and then do some uh, moguls and just do a bit of everything, even like some jumps in the like freestyle stuff. You know, like we did a bit of everything. And I, f- I think that really makes you an either even better athlete. So I don't think you have to be racing in the gates all the time. That's once again, just going to burn out the athlete or I don't know. I think they'll get tired of it. I would say personally, but it's so different. Like there is no right answer, like you said, because some people specialize right away and it works for them. But I think doing as many sports as you can, I think is the answer for me, I would say, but not everyone agrees, like you said, but I think, yeah, if you can do as many sports as you can and just love all of them and develop skills in every one of them, I think that is the best answer. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And as you were saying that, I kind of went off script a little bit in my head. And I was just thinking that I think both of us, because we are such perfectionists and we really think about the process and what we're doing, that we've kind of developed our bodies for the sports we've had to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. Like they've become our machine. So what we feed it is the food it needs to run like Mm a high class fuel to fuel that, that car. And what's interesting is from a young age, people would kind of make fun of my arms because they are water skiing arms. That's just, they needed to pull across the wakes and hold the rope and do tricks. And I was self-conscious about that. I would hide my arms when I put my hair up in a ponytail and things like that. And then now as I was starting to alpine, then the water skiers were like, oh, you're starting to develop alpine legs. (laughs) Yeah, true. Which I think is a beautiful thing now that I'm older mm-hmm. because we are so developed for the sports that we've done. And now we can, you know, rock off some chin-ups in the gym and mm-hmm. things like that. But did it bother you ever as a, as a kid being, you know, so strong? So like, I've seen pictures of you and you're so strong, so young, yeah. but at the time it was kind of like a, maybe considered not a normal trait for young girls. Yeah, it was definitely not normal, but luckily I don't think it was ever an issue for me at that age, like growing up, I think I really embraced my body. I guess I just loved those muscles and I had like a crazy six pack. And I think everyone gave me so many compliments about it that I was just really proud of it. And even my arms. 
like, yeah, they were definitely very muscular, but it, it was never like a bad thing in my head. And I think like being around other water skiers, you know, it's not an issue because all of us are like that. So you just don't even think about it. For sure, when I was more with the Alpine people, maybe they noticed more, but it was always in a positive way. So I was always pretty proud, I would say. So yeah, I just, yeah, I guess I was happy with it. I guess I just got used to it right away. And like you said, it's just, you start to realize that it's such a positive thing. Like you're so strong. We can, you and I can do so many pull-ups in the gym that I don't know, people are just very impressed. I think we have to see it as a, a positive always. Yeah. I think it's really cool now. Like mm -hmm. now I'm really proud of it. And I yeah. guess that's, what's so cool because our stories are pretty similar in mm -hmm. how we grew up and how we chose and at, at the ages and things like that. But then how we felt about the stories was so yeah, different. I know because I was a little bit burnt out and I chose Alpine and I wasn't really thinking of the Olympics mm -hmm. and you really were thinking about the Olympics. Yeah, that this is what I want to do. The, that was the, like, like the that's decisive what, moment. Exactly. Is, yeah. Yeah. And that's so cool. It's so cool that we have the same and even like you know, I was kind of hiding my muscular arms and now I'm so proud of that mm -hmm. because it's just, my body is my machine to do, yeah, you, you know, my tool. Yeah, really proud. Like <laughs> you've got the best body, obviously. Like your muscles are just insane. So exactly. you should be very happy. Like, very blushing now. <laughs> um, but I think it's so cool that we can have such a similar upbringing with such different stories and mm -hmm. then be here. And what I'm so thankful for is to be on your team because you push us hard. <laughs> you know, you push us hard in the gym to be, great Same you push us hard on the slope to be not only great and fast because you're very fast but also to be brave you know we look at you and you push hard every single day and Thanks. is there the other day I was looking at um a crash of Whitney McClintock and you know I grew mm, up with her I watched it too oh my god yeah it was really Oof. if you guys will google it you'll probably find it but it was yeah. pretty scary because it's a horrific fall and then she can't oh, figure out I what way is yeah. up Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she for sure hit her head and her eye and she kind of flails for a little while. And that's the thing. People ask me about the falls in water skiing. Obviously mm -hmm. the falls in Alpine are very aggressive. We know that. <laughs> and in Alpine, people are like, oh, you get water up your nose or, oh, you know, you get a little bit cold, but oh can you explain your worst crash? Maybe if you can think of it or just what it feels like to crash water skiing. Yeah. I don't know if I remember my worst crash. I like, I never had anything where I actually got hurt, but for sure I had some not great jumping crashes and like you said I don't think people understand that when you hit the water it's basically like hitting cement like it's not it's not like you go through it and it's like nothing it's literally like hitting the ground like really hard so it hurts a lot but luckily I never actually got injured but I had a few crashes jumping and a couple times and I mean for sure it happened in slalom a lot too but luckily it was never anything that kept me from still skiing but yeah it does not feel good it's not just like oh I got some water up in my nose so it's like pretty bad yeah and that's like my sister she crashed really hard at uh, Pan Am Games I think and so hard in slalom and she was screaming in the water and then mm. Jason McClintock and I jumped in the water and we were treading water holding her above water because oh it's scary God. too because you're in the water yeah that's dangerous like if like you said if you hit your head or something then like people have to come get you but you could be like I don't know it's dangerous you could literally drown like I don't know that's scary yeah it's um, it's now that it, at the time I was too young to be scared too. I think I just realized that also like <laughs> watching Whitney's crash I was like oh my god like that's so scary but same thing back then I never thought of those risks or anything like that I was just I don't know it didn't matter do you think that's why? Because I'm definitely a more scared person now than when I was young. Like mm -hmm. when I was young, I was like, you want me to try this? Here I go. Yeah. You want me to do this? Here I go. 
But do you think that that's maybe why you're definitely more fearless than me, but why we are able to push harder now and feel a little bit less fear because we did so much as kids? I think so. Yeah. I think if you almost like force yourself to do more scary things, I guess, growing up, I think it'll make you less scared afterwards. You know, like if you force yourself to do things that make you nervous or you're not too sure if you want to do it, then you'll just get over that. And then you'll be able to do more after, I would say. Like, it's good to push through scary moments. It's not fun sometimes, but then it's worth it, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And sometimes I'm just proud of myself for doing it. Yeah. Not even how I did it, you know, it's just doing it. Mm -hmm. And this is a question that I've asked a few people. And I talked about it with Tristan and Max and these expectations, you know, and being able to leave those expectations behind you when you start a race and Mm -hmm. set them down. And you've had expectations probably most of your life. You know, Mm -hmm. you're young, so good at water skiing. And then you made the team, podiumed at World Juniors, came to the Olympics. There's for sure eyes on you, six Mm -hmm. at the Olympics. And then, you know, coming back from injury, seventh in Solden. (laughs) But what do you do? Like, what's your thought process in the start? And how do you leave those expectations? Or maybe you don't even feel them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's changed a lot recently, but I would say since my injury, I've come to realize that I can just think about skiing well and it works even better for me. Because sometimes the thing is like, I'm so competitive that I, not that I try too hard, but I, I just go all out, which is what I do every single day. So I do the same thing during the race, but, but then it almost ends up being too much, I guess. And that's where I make pretty big mistakes or something like that. So maybe I'll be skiing as well or even better as training, but then I'll make a mistake and it messes everything up. So then I've realized that if I just try to ski well and I only think about those couple pointers that I think about when I'm training, that's what works the best for me. So I I try to not even think about like, oh, I'm going for the podium or, oh, I want this result or that result. I just think about my skiing and that's worked really well for me. Like, for example, in Solden, when I was fifth in the first run for second run, that was really nerve wracking because I didn't want to lose that spot obviously you want to come down with the green light so I was extremely nervous at the top but I was trying not to show it but yeah then in my head right before the start all I could think of was just those pointers that I have like I don't need to say what it is but I just kept telling myself like ski well just be really strong on that outside ski move forward like that's all I was thinking of and nothing else like not like oh try to go fast like oh you need that green light when you get to the bottom like all I was thinking about was my skiing and I mean, I did pretty well. Like I, obviously did I didn't come down with the green light, which was sad, but just the fact that I, yeah, I was still able to end up in seventh place. Like, I feel like it's so easy in that moment to just completely lose that whole thing, you know, like it come down with, I don't know, a really slow time and then it's all gone and it, it feels like that first run didn't even matter. Um, so <laughs> my past you know weekend. What I, <laughs> I mean, no, it wasn't bad, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like it could have been better. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to just not think about the result, which we all know, like, I feel like we're all aware, but it's so hard to do it. But if you just really focus on your skiing or just focus on your process, I guess, or your plan and nothing else, that what, that is what works really well for me. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because I found it easier said than done, you know, focus on sure. the process, not the outcome. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be standing at the start and thinking, okay, I want to come down and do this. Mm-hmm. But the process is, okay, how am I going to ski? How am I going to push out of the gate? You know, Mm -hmm. what am I going to think coming over the pitch or something? And I think it's so, such an important thing, but it's also so hard to do. do. So do you just drown it out with focusing on what you need to? 
I think so. I think because I think about that one thing so much, it overpowers everything else. Like I can't think of anything else. And I think that's the way to do it for me. But it, like you said, it's easier said said than done. Yeah. yeah. It's easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. I so, love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one question and we always ask a question about bravery and I hope you'll come back and we'll talk about some other things that have happened in your mm-hmm. life because you are honestly the bravest person. You are so resilient. You have so much grit and there's stuff you've been through that people don't even know. You know, they look at mm-hmm. your injury, but there's so much before that that you went through as well. And then there's so much since then. And so I'm so proud of you Thank and you. watching your documentary. You guys have to check out her documentary <laughs> watching that last night. I was in tears as well because it's so emotional to see mm-hmm. everything and how amazing you've done coming through that. Thank you. But what do you think makes you so brave? You know, what do you think makes you so resilient? Did water skiing play a part in that? But did your dad, you know, I know he's competitive, <laughs> yeah. but what, like you are, I, I just can't get across to people listening how incredibly brave you are not for pushing hundred percent every day, not for taking the lines you do, which is insane, but for coming back and not coming back and just getting up and trying again for coming back stronger than before. And like still kind, still hardworking. And like, just where does that come from? Thank you. Yeah. I think in one way, like you said, I think it comes a lot from my dad just because he was always so competitive and I don't know, he always showed me basically to never quit, which I mean, I know a lot of people know that, but like, it's, it was always like, you you will do everything to the max, like until the end, you know, like you're quitting is not an option. So I think in my head, when something happens, I have to get back up and get back to where I was or even better. Like you said, it's like, there's no other option, I guess. I think he really put that in my head and it, it's never gone away, which I'm really grateful for because it's gotten me through a lot and yeah, I think it's just all thanks to my dad and my mom for sure too. But it's just my dad is the very competitive one. But it, it's it was a good thing. Like sometimes it's bad because I'm too competitive, but it really showed me how I can do anything. I think he really made me believe that. And my mom too, like she was always really proud of me and just really, yeah, just always showing me that I can do whatever I want. Anything is possible basically. So I think I just really believe that. And I always do my best to just come back from whatever happens. It's like, I believe that I will be back. Even if, even my big injury, it's, it's like, it wasn't even an option to not come back or not try. Or in my head, it was like, for sure, I'll be back and even better. I just really believed it, you know? So I think if you just keep believing, then I think you can make it happen. That's how I feel. I love that. And okay, I said last question, but then you're talking about your parents. How do you think they did it to make you feel so important as a human and not so pressured into doing well? Because we know our parents gave up everything, especially with two expensive sports. Mm -hmm. But how do you think they did and continue to just make sure that you feel so valued as Val, not (laughs) Val the Olympian or Mm -hmm. Val the water skier? That's a great question. I'm not really sure. I think they just... I think they were really good at making me really competitive, but also just showing me that I can have fun doing whatever I'm doing. So just showing me the love of the sport and also just, yeah, I don't know. It was always, they were just always so proud of me, whatever I was doing, even like you said, like as who I am, like, I don't know, I just did a lot of things, different things like singing and playing the piano or whatever. And I feel like they were just always really proud of me and 
Yeah, I don't even know. Like they just, I think they did a really good job, but I don't even know really how they did it. They're just really good parents and I'm so grateful for them. But I don't know if I know the actual answer to that question even. Yeah, and I think it's hard. And maybe mm -hmm. we don't even know it until you become a parent yourself, exactly, how I to think. do it. Yeah. But I think it's so cool because I've watched your mom watch you. <laughs> and even that right now, I'm sitting here being a little bit emotional because mm -hmm. it's so beautiful watching her watch you mm -hmm. because she's so proud. And she's so proud before you get through the finish, before yeah. you see the green light or the red light or where you are. So true. She's so proud of you for pushing out, for getting there. And like not only that, but for saying, I can do this and then doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cool. But I'll leave it there and I hope you'll come back and sure. maybe after the season <laughs> and we'll talk about some other things that are, mm -hmm. we'll build on what we've talked about, but yeah. I'm just so lucky to have you as a teammate. I'm so thank lucky you. to have watched your career. I love being your teammate and thank you for sharing your story. And I hope everyone listening took something away from that. I hope so too. Thanks for having me. And it was my pleasure to be here. <laughs> Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to Unspoken Bravery. My goal with this podcast is to connect with you through real life experiences. So I would love to hear from you. A hello, feedback, future ideas, you name it. You can reach me on my Instagram account at Aaron Milzinski or head to my website, aaronmilzinski.com. If you like the podcast, please share, review and subscribe. I hope to see you back here to uncover your own hidden superhero.